0: Welcome to the King of Glory Lutheran Church Education Podcast. We are a Christian community of faith located in Williamsburg, Virginia. For more information, please visit us on the web at kogva.org.
1: Wow, it's raining and you're here. Look at you. A crown in your a jewel in your crown. Gold stars. If you could sign the paper and pass it around, that'd be great. It helps us to know that you're here. And welcome to those who are with us online. Thank you for joining us. We are uh, we're wondering if the morning session uh, should continue to be live streamed. So if you're online, it's helpful for us to know that you're there so that we can make that case. So if you're online, say hi somehow. That would be fantastic. And thanks everyone for being here today. I know finally some rain, right? I uh was walking Guy this morning and um checking my phone to make sure I could get in the window of dryness. He he's got a lot of hair. When I mean, he gets wet, it's it's a, it's an issue. I should give
2: him a, a little umbrella on his head.
1: <laughs> he shakes, he rolls, he I'm doing the very thing I told Gail I would never do. We would drive through our neighborhood, and I'd see people in the rain with their dog, with those little baggies picking up. The, and I would say to Gail, I will never do that. And there I am today, my little baggie. There I am. So anyway, uh, the last uh, this, this season, we are talking about profiles and strength. And uh, so we're, look, we're looking at these texts with a different eye, and I, I should have told you that last week, too, and probably with uh, Daniel and the lion's dead and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, and uh, uh, Esther last week. Um, so what we're, what we're not necessarily doing is you know, going verse by verse uh, for uh, every understanding of those verses, although the verses that we present to you, we certainly want to do that. But we're also looking in these verses for the profile of strength. We're trying to understand by reading Scripture, where did these characters g- get their strength? Where did they find their, uh, their courage? Um, what were the circumstances around them? And uh, how do we duplicate that? How do we, as disciples of Christ, walk in that same path? That's what we're trying to do, and so today we have the the famous uh, David and Goliath, uh, which is uh, I tried to convince Pastor Winterhoff because he's the tallest retired pastor to uh, be the Goliath, and I would th- you know throw rocks at him, but he he wasn't up for that. So uh, here we are. Uh, so t- so what we're going to do today is uh, we're not going to read the entire. Text. It would take us a good while to do that. Um, what I'm going to do is bring you up to speed to certain sections. Then we'll read those sections and go from there. Okay? Uh, we will read a good portion of First Samuel chapter 17. Uh, so hang in there. We will read a good portion of it. Uh, but we will not read all of it. Let me just make sure my papers are in uh, the right order. Okay.
2: First Samuel seventeen.
1: First Samuel seventeen. David is a boy. He has already been told in secret that that he's been anointed to, to be the king. Seems kind of get forgotten after a while, but that's already occurred. He's a shepherd boy. He's uh, a young a younger brother. His siblings are on the front lines and they're fighting the Philistines and um, Saul is the king. He's not a, he's not a, he's not one of the greatest Kings, but, um, but he is the king. And uh, the Philistines have in essence, given a ultimatum, right? Uh, The Philistines have said, You bring out your greatest soldier, and we'll bring out our greatest soldier. And whoever wins will win the day. Um, The Israelites respond in fear. They don't want to play that game. So uh, for 40 days this goes on, and uh, nothing happens. David goes to the front lines to take provisions from his family to his family. And when he gets there, he hears Goliath. He hears Goliath come out and say what Goliath has been saying every day. Bring out your champion. I'll fight him, and whoever wins will be the winner. Um, and David's astonished that no one will Rise to the occasion. So uh, let's read a little bit. Uh, Here's an ancient illustration of uh, Goliath taunting the Israelites. What do we notice about Goliath in this picture? Okay, maybe he's ugly. He could be, yes, but he's also tall. (laughs) He's also a big guy, right? So go to chapter 17, and let's read, um, let us read, uh, starting with verse 8. And we're going to read through 11. Somebody want to read? Uh, Jim will read. Hold on, Jim. We've got to get to the microphone. So 1 Samuel 17, 8 to 11. Tell me what you hear. Go ahead.
3: He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid.
1: So what's happening here? Yeah, it's intimidation. He's taunting them, right? It's, it's classic. I'm going to taunt you and, and see if that taunting has effect. It does, right? Um, what else do you think is happening here?
4: Hold on a second, Mark. Offer of peace in the sense that they say, look, um, you know, we, we, we don't want to kill everybody. We just want you to follow us. Well, if you, if, if it's one, it's one-on-one, winner take all. That's a nice way to look at it, right?
1: <laughs> and it looks like that. It does look like that. However, most people today believe that it's an insincere offer, that Goliath doesn't mean it, that the that the Philistines have no, have, there's nothing in their history that shows that they would yield if Goliath would lose, although we, we do find out what happens when he loses. Part of the issue here is that Goliath does not think he's going to use, lose, right? Goliath has a confidence um, in his ability to win any fight against any of those Israelites. And so it's an, it's an uneven match and Goliath knows that. Can you come over here to Karin and to
2: Jim, please? I see also the losers are going to become slaves.
1: Yeah.
0: So that's huge.
1: Yeah, it's a lot. It's a co- it's a it's a great cost, right? So the what's the cost benefit here? <laughs> yeah, Jim.
3: I suspect Saul probably would have said if the Israelites couldn't find anybody that would go up and stand up against them, they'd say, we'll just give in and we'll we'll default to you. You win. Take over.
1: Well, we'll never know. Um, If anything, over here, please. If anything, what, what what we see is that even in the Old Testament, the idea of waiting it out. Right. That's if you haven't noticed in modern day politics today, that is the new trend. We just wait it out. There'll be a new there'll be another news cycle. There'll be another issue. There'll be right. This is either party. They've they've they've, they've wisely on some level say just let's give it five days. They'll be talking about something else. So on some level, the Israelites are saying, you know what? We've, we've lived 40 days <laughs> doing this same thing. Maybe this is what we do. Right. I think there's there's something as well to the intimidation factor um, that I want you to think about. But first, please, yes.
0: If you said this, I apologize. But uh, does Goliath have any other clout than he's big? Is he is he a, a high ranking military guy, yeah. or where does he stand in the population?
1: You're leading me. You thank you. You're giving me the the assist. Um, we don't. Those things, I don't know. I don't know if he was a what rank he was or if he was kingly. I don't think he was. But what we do know is that not only is Goliath tall, right, grand, but um, he's got the latest weaponry. So what he brings, when he walks up there, don't only think of a tall guy. He's coming up. Don't forget what these battles, a lot of these battles will show. Right? Um, how many men do I have? Uh, uh, by the way, we see that even in the Civil War. Right? If you take if you take a tour up at um, in Petersburg, you you learn that the Civil War could have been ended years before, but uh, the Union Army thought that there were more uh, Confederates than there actually were, so they turned around during one of those battles. So that has a piece of it, and then.
2: Hold on a second, please. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, you know, in this particular picture, he has a has a um, I don't know what that
1: yeah. is. It's a hat. Yeah, so I wouldn't it go would, by that.
2: It would lead you to believe that
1: nobody put,
0: else
2: has that
1: on. Yeah, I would. You know, I I like I put pictures in here that I just think look neat. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this looked neat. Um, I think that the important thing here that we're try- that the writer in First Samuel is setting us up for is um, classic uh, classic uh, biblical power of God. The way the things look, the Philistines should win. They've got height, they've got weaponry, they've got stance, they've got position right everything leads us to believe the philistines should win on top of the fear factor right so whatever they're doing and however they're doing they have instilled fear in the israelites and friends if you know anything about warfare fear is difficult to overcome if you think you're going to lose you've lost half the battle so so he's got all this and then of course what's the best part from this whole thing is that the champion that comes up is the complete opposite of everything we see here. Except for, I'm giving it away. Except for one factor.
2: Fear. David doesn't have fear. We want to we know why. So let's go to verse 31. So
1: what happens in between here? David shows up, finds his brothers. His brothers get annoyed that he's there. (laughs) Uh, He goes and meets Saul. um, And, you know, they have this relationship, if you will, in a sense of um, David sort of asks Saul, you know, what's happening here? And now we join this conversation, if you will, um, verse 31 to 40. Someone read that for me. 31 to 40. Lights over here, please. Yep, to 40.
4: What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your service, your, your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against the Philist- this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand approached the Philistine.
2: All right, so what did you hear? Was interesting to you, Karin. Yeah, well, Saul's impressed, but he doesn't think
0: David is ready. David knows he's ready.
1: Why do you think Saul's impressed?
0: Because he's a young man coming from nowhere with a great confidence and faith. Yeah, great faith. But Saul's going to dress him. But he's not used to being dressed for battle, so it right. encumbers him, and he takes everything off and goes back to the.
1: Yeah, it, I agree with you. I think it's uh, Mrs. Francis over here, please. I I think you're gonna say the same thing. Well, go ahead. Say what you want to say.
2: Well, I actually think that <clears throat> that uh, David was very confident in knowing what he
0: was able to do, <clears throat> and so he didn't stop. Uh, stop
2: <clears throat> In other words, yes, was ready to go. Yeah. He knew, he knew what he was, he was inside.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think that, uh, first of all, uh, John, over here, please. We don't hear anyone else knocking on Saul's door, right? No one else is saying, hey, you know what? I think I'll take on Goliath. Um, and so even though Saul rightly says, listen, you're a young guy, you don't have military experience. He's the only guy showing up.
5: Yes, sir. Going to put in a plug for the uh, the strength summit. You can. Okay. Uh, using a sling back in that day. First of all, that's David's strength. He's done it before. He knows how to use it. He's good with that. Mm. He's good at fighting without armor, mm-hmm. whatever that means. Um. There's other places in the Bible that refer to this. The sling is kind of like a gun or a bow and arrow or something. It's a distance weapon. If you don't miss, it's very effective, but it's his strength. He's good at that. So Saul's doing the old, we need to hit it this way, and David's, this is my strength. Yeah, that's I really great. I can use my strength with God Yeah, because it's questionable. Well, what if you miss or it bounces off his armor or something? Well, that's the part God's going to do. But I have skill here with this. Right. No, I like that.
1: I, if Tara's not listening online, I will let her know that. That's a great example of what the Strength Summit is, right, which is are you aware of your strengths? And when you are aware of your strengths, you can utilize those strengths in the situations that you're in, the life you're living, right? Um, and on the other end of that, if, that is, if you don't have those strengths, to find people who do. Right, the most effective way to use your strength is to be using them with other people in this case, yes, um, by the way, using a sling is not overly uncommon in this time, um, although compared to the weaponry that Goliath has it is it doesn't look like a fair fight, um, but David knows what he knows, and that 's what he 's going to use. Kevin uh,
6: the other thing to bear in mind here is one of the things one of the things Saul was famous for was his height. He was renowned for his height. <laughs> okay. Uh, every day that he lets this go on and he doesn't personally answer the challenge and he doesn't otherwise solve the challenge. He's being shamed in both a very personal and very public way.
1: Great, uh, great insight on that. Let's go back in history, right? Um, the, the kingdom of Israel, wants a king. Who is Israel's king?
2: No. God. God.
1: God is Israel's king. God does not desire for Israel to have a human king, but he hears their cries and complaints and agrees to let them have a king. In that agreement, God says, fair warning to you. This king that you have is going to lead you into places you don't want to go. Let's be clear about that. So they have what I would call a beauty contest (laughs) to find a king, right? And one of the attributes uh, for Saul being chosen to be king is that he's tall. Right. So isn't it interesting that The Philistines bring forth their tall guy, and our tall guy doesn't want to play. Right? And Kevin's right. Every day he doesn't want to play, says something about who he is. Who comes along? The short kid. (laughs) And he's willing to play. Yes, sir?
7: I think the other thing I would take from Paul, Saul, I'm sorry. Is uh, uh, he's fearful? He knows the Philistines are stronger than they are, so he's kind of like, uh, "What the heck? Like the kids go, we're going to lose anyway."
1: <laughs> yeah, fair enough.
7: Yeah, right. And well, maybe he was. I think David's insight, also from a human standpoint, is he knows and cannot hand to hang combat with pli, but from a distance, yeah he's got a shot, yeah, fair enough, although I will say
1: that um the risk he takes in letting this young kid give it a try is they only get one try, and then they have to suffer the consequences. I find it interesting, don't you, and we're going to get i'm bringing I'm building you up to one of the strength verses. Um, Saul says, "Look, how can you possibly do this, right?" David's example is hey, Listen, uh, I work in my father's fields all the time, and when bears come up and lions come up, I'm able to defeat them. So I could probably defeat this guy too. Not the best comparison, right? And I would suggest to you that that's not what makes him qualified. I think the strength verse is here, verses 36 and 37. This is a dark picture of David and Saul. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. See see what happens in this conversation. You're not, I don't think you can do it. I can do it. Here's my resume, lions and bears, (laughs) right? No. The strength of David is he says, God has been with me before. God will be with me now. And what I would suggest to you is that... um, what we're beginning to see a pattern of, Dave, Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even Esther, even though it's a little harder to see it in the book of Esther, is that these people find strength because they have a consistent relationship with God. It's, it's a journey they've been on. So David can look back David doesn't come and say, well, I hope God will be with me. David's saying, I know when God has been with me, and, I'm, and I know he'll be with me now. So this, the, the conversation changes in 36 and 37, right? Sure, I killed lions and bears. By the way, you would expect a shepherd boy to be able to do some of that. That's not necessarily overly unique for David, just to be clear. Now, he may have been very good at it. Uh, he might have been better than others, but what do shepherds do? They protect their sheep. Notice the language. He, he calls out uh, Goliath for being not a man of God, this uncircumcised Philistine. He's very clearly saying he's not one of us. Uh, and he's, def- he's defiling, uh, defying the armies of the living God. David switches the emphasis away from Saul away from the army and back onto where the emphasis should be God right so let me go on a let me go on a way far tangent that I think is connected. Um, I believe the same has to happen when it comes to the twenty first century church right um when we look around and see, you've heard me get on this bandwagon before, when we see churches closing, when we see churches in decline, the question we have to ask is, where has our focus been? And if our, if our focus hasn't been on God, which I would suggest sometimes could be the case, we've got to get right back to that. That's where, that's where our victory is, when we're a community of faith that focuses on God. When we're an army, that focuses on God, when we're a warrior that focuses on God. This is what David is saying, right? So um, here we, in essence, get this this battle line of fear and faith. Fear and faith. So Saul says, hey, great. You want to do it? I'm with you. I would suggest you can make a case that Saul... Here is David and says, all right, the Lord be with you. If the Lord has been with you, then the Lord be with you now. I think we have to give Saul some credit here, right? However, let me, you know, let me help you out. I've got some armor that I want you to have and to use. And, you know, you ever been to a good Sunday school class? They they bring in stuff that's too big for the little kid. He's walking around, you know. um, That's sort of the imagery we have. I think, John, you helped give us maybe a different perspective that maybe not only did the armor not fit because it was fit it for Saul, uh, but it's not, it's not David's strength. It's not how he's going to win that battle, right? Um, so what does David do? Finds five smooth stones, right? Uh, a sling. A sling is a military weapon common in the ancient Near East. Egyptian evidence goes back to the beginning of the second millennium BC. And according to Judges 2016, according to Judges chapter 20, verse 16, there were 700 left handed Benjaminite slingers. My wife is left handed, so I'm saying. Each of whom could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. Right? So, uh, uh, Larry, Carn. So, we. What well, I'm showing you that is because all, Larry, you signed the waiver today. Make sure you. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Karn.
0: It sounds like the slingers are snipers.
1: Yeah, sort of uh, ancient snipers. Yeah, maybe John.
5: Not from Scripture, but the uh, the Romans used to hire them they didn't have Roman soldiers that knew how to do it, but they used to hire them as mercenaries. The ones that were really good yeah. uh for putting them not in the center of their formation, but it's not the way the Romans thought, but they respected um Well snipe they'll snipe at the people in battle till they can't stand anymore and then they'll try to attack us in a right. regular but so hundreds of years later there's still it's still a valid weapon that even the yeah, romans that's right respected what
1: i'm trying to do t- for you today is um desensitize you to what perhaps you learned in sunday school made david so great it wasn't so great that he could fight lions and bears it wasn't so great that he could sling a slingshot although he could and there was value to it right what I'm showing you is that lots of people could. It's something deeper in finding strength for David. And right now in the first strength verse we see is that his hope is in the Lord. His, his confidence is in the Lord, right? Uh, I would suggest to you this. Even if David went out there with Saul's equipment, he would, he would have won if indeed that would brought glory, if that's what God wanted to have that story to be. See, see where I'm at? Uh, or if it was a straw with a little pea shooter, <laughs> uh, Kevin, he would have won. Uh, this is about this is about the Lord working through David. Yeah. The bit with
6: hello. The bit with the armor also yeah. plays as comedy because David is short. <laughs> yeah. Saul is one of the largest men in the kingdom. Yeah. So there's no way this armor fits, not even close. Right. Uh, and, and trying to do it is just Saul trying to push off his responsibilities wow. onto this diminutive
1: youth. And another way to look at it too, Kevin, is to think here, here are two kings that couldn't be more different than each other. Right? And we're seeing that even now, even before one is the other. Somebody read for me 41 to 44. 41 to 44.
2: Karn. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front
0: of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'm going to give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals.
1: Is that it? Is that what I said to do?
2: All right, keep going, Karin. Go all the way. Go all the way to 51. Please. Okay.
1: Okay. Do it. You can do it.
0: David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled, defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. (laughs) This very day, I will give the carcasses Of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, but the battle is the Lord's, and He will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it, and he struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from
2: the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. Hmm. He he did what he said he was going to do, right? You got to give credit to David for that. All right, what would you hear? It is an
1: incredible story, right? You, uh, you, see, you see that David has the ability to give back the trash talk <laughs> that Goliath was able to give. That David approaches this, this battle uh, very differently than his comrades in arms.
4: Yeah, right. His unwavering faith in God. I mean, he, he said, here I am. There's no sense hanging around anymore. He ran up there and took care of business. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've had
1: enough conversation here, right? Um, Goliath does what Goliath has been doing, right? What am I, a dog? You you send this little guy out to me? Uh, I'm going to crush you. By the way, once again, this is a reminder that in this time period, dogs did not have the same stance as they do today in our modern culture, so you know. To be called a dog was not a good thing. It wasn't like, am I a dog? Oh, yes, you are. Yeah. <laughs> you are a cute dog, right? Uh, but, yeah, right.
0: But David is calling out in the name of his God. Yeah. Where Goliath is, has nothing to offer.
1: Karin, you're, here we see here we see Daniel in the lion's den. Here we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? If this is a, What does Goliath do? He curses David in the name of his gods. If that's the game you want to play, we're going to win this. So, so Goliath curses David in the name of his gods, and David then says, uh, this will be a battle for the living God. You will see whose God is real in this battle. This is now... The fourth time we've seen this happen. Because even, even Esther shows that on some level, right, with the saving of the people. Uh, so w- Goliath was bigger. Can up here, please. Uh, he had more weaponry. He was more confident. He had a larger army. And he had momentum all on his side. And yet David comes up, and the battle is his. Yes, sir?
7: I don't want to go... Out on the tangent too far. But <laughs> far be it from us to do that here. Yeah, but I think there's a lesson for us here. David did not chuck out his brain on sidelines to go flailing out on the field. He took what he knew to be his best weapon to put the armor aside, and he took five stones to catch mess a couple of times. You know, so yeah. uh, it, we, when we go about doing the Lord's work, we can't just get out of our brains say, Oh, the Lord is what it is. He wants to use our brain to do
1: properly. Amen. I think that when we, uh, as disciples of Christ, uh, who are called to follow Jesus, we are called to action. Right? Um, and part of action this goes connect to john 's point earlier is knowing the gifts that God has given us and using those gifts to his glory, not sitting on the sideline um, thank you for that that 's go on that tangent anytime you want um, by the way goliath uh, goliath 's threat is a real threat to david um, you know, he uh, in verse forty four what he says there you know uh, go, go look at 44 for a moment. The Philistines said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air, and to the beasts of the field, <laughs> right? At first it sounds a little bit like taunting, but Goliath seems like he knows what he's talking about because exposure of corpses to the birds of prey uh, is a common motive of destruction and curse. And this would be horrible. This would be worse than death for an Israelite to not be able to be buried properly. So Goliath must know that. If he doesn't, it's just a really good taunt because it raises the game, if you will. And then David gives his speech in verses 45 and 47 where we see zeal for the reputation of of the Israelite God and, as this was said before, his utter trust in God's ability to preserve him against all odds. So he throws the stone and uh, hits him in the head. He falls over, and then here's a, here's a live-action shot of uh, his head being cut off. Yeah, right? It's a big head. <laughs> Probably took a couple swings at it. Um, and I, I actually liked this illustration, too. Um, uh, I liked it because what am I thinking about with
2: that uh, sling?
1: Yeah, I'm thinking of the Holy Spirit at some level, right? The Holy Spirit's gonna be working in that. Uh and certainly could have. I also really love, go to verse forty-six. Um, this day the Lord will deliver you into the hand, into my hand, and I will stake strike you down and cut off <laughs> cut off your head. Um, whenever you see that, you know, by the way, you ever watch a good movie and they say, this day, this, there's a decisiveness there. There's a certainty there um, that David has. And um, what he's saying is, not only will I win the battle, but the, the army will be delivered into our hands, right? We will win. Um, this beautiful phrase here that the whole world may know that there's a God and that this God is our God, and that the Lord saves his people. And that, that is reminiscent to me of Psalm 46, um, where, where we see this God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And what do we hear in that? Though the earth be moved, though the kingdoms fall, that the mountains tumble into the sea, right? The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Here for David, that, here's that moment for him. And he realizes where his power and authority comes from. It comes from God himself. Yes, sir. Uh, I think
3: this uh, painting is a little bit deceiving because I don't think David would ever have gotten that close. I mean, he's so close, Goliath can't even spear him now. (laughs) Uh. So he's got, David's got the advantage of standoff distance. That's why if he misses the first time, he's got four other stones. So.
1: First of all clearly you had a career in the military. Secondly, Jim, it's just a picture, okay? All right? <laughs> <laughs> and you're an engineer, yeah. I like it because of the holy spirit nature to it. Yes. Okay, I'll give it to you. I yield to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh,
6: in response to his statement, people get excited on these occasions. And so I'll protect the I'll defend the picture on the grounds that <laughs> here he is. A flame with the Holy Spirit, he's charging Goliath. That gives your sling just a little bit extra oomph. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it is a big target.
1: Yeah. It, to, we do give David a lot of credit, but if he's big, right, he's big. I think the other, probably the most important thing for us to remember here, and we see it uh, probably best on the cross, uh, God accomplishes salvation in his own way. So the Israelites are being saved in the matter of which he chooses here, just like we are saved in the matter he chooses. It's the cross is difficult to understand, right? Um, the empty tomb can be challenging to understand, uh, and we could look at the human nature of this passage and say some of this just doesn't. It, God has to be a part of this at some point, right? The Lord's battle is is fought. Uh, uh, in the way that he wants, not always by might, not always by power. Uh, this is Zechariah 4 6. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. Zechariah 4 6. Uh, here was David's victory despite all odds, and it comes to us through um, the means of which God gives David to win. So. Um, if we're trying to find our strength, the question for you today is, what is your Goliath? I know it should be who, but I don't mean who. I mean what is your Goliath? Um, and and by the way, by that, I don't necessarily mean, um, I don't only mean um, your finances or your relationships. Uh, I want you to also be thinking about, your spiritual Goliaths, Goliaths, what, what are those things that uh, intimidate you and make you filled with fear and have convinced you that it's better to stay on the sidelines uh, rather than get into the battle? And I mean by battle of sort of, of, of faithfulness to God, right? That spiritual battle between God and the devil. That's what I'm talking about here. How do we, how do we work through that? Uh, to understand that that we have a strength greater, you know, than ourselves, right? So just think just for a moment, um, maybe your Goliath right now is a persistent sin. Uh, Maybe your Goliath right now is a persistent doubt. Maybe your Goliath right now is uh, a a complacency, right, Uh, or a pessimism. Maybe it's a big giant uh, that is filling you with fear, uncertainty, difficulty, whatever it is, uh, how do we approach it more like David, more like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, more like Esther, more like Daniel, and less like Saul?
2: (laughs) Karin. I have to say I never thought of this, but I
0: think the media makes me fearful. Okay, and I have to be careful how much news I'm watching. I agree with that. Um, I'm occasionally afraid to go to a mall.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I never used to be like that. Right. And maybe it's my age, but also <laughs> I just I'm afraid think
1: when Gail goes to the mall. <laughs> Different it's reasons. It's the
0: though. stories of terror. Yeah. That are working.
1: Absolutely. You know. Um, Uh, I've said this to you all before. I I do think that we we are oversaturated with news, and you would be wise to put the Game Show Network on once in a while, right? (laughs) Uh, Watch American Says or (laughs) whatever it is. Um, And even some of our TV shows, which emulate life, right? I can remember when ER was very popular. I remember the show ER, and it was when I was in – in essence, the care pastor at my church. I was the associate pastor of my church in Long Island where I was the senior pastor. And one of my jobs as the associate pastor was I was in charge of all the care. And so I was in the hospital a lot. And, and everyone's watching ER, and I'm watching ER and saying, I just did this today for three hours. I don't want to do this now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we have Elizabeth first here. Uh, hold on one second. And then I would say, uh, yeah, you have to, here's what I would say. Balance what you're doing out there, right? Yes, ma'am.
0: Adapting to rapid technological change. Okay. Those darn devices know more than I do.
1: <laughs> yeah, right? All this technology. Although when I ask my Google what the score of a game is, sometimes she doesn't know. It makes me pretty me. She says she'd understand what I said.
6: <laughs> yeah, Kevin. Patterns of consumption. We would watch ER maybe once a week, and sometimes it would be a rerun. Uh, and so we would get our stress out, and and, it would, and we would spend an hour. We, it was called prime time. Yes. We rarely had three hours of, 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 of uh, dramatic presentation in a row. Right. Uh, today, we can binge for 48 straight hours. Yeah, um, that's right you know, 24 episodes of NCIS or something, right. and away we go. Um, I, I happen to notice this myself. Yeah. Uh, it was. We watch eight hours' worth of this stuff, and, and you start to get the shakes or something. You know, yeah. your body is just worn out.
1: Well, let's think of that spiritually for a moment right here, Larry. Please. Uh, you know, what happens – let's look at the spiritual consequences, right? Let's be clear. First of all, don't change your mind. Okay. You know, TV is not bad. Uh, news is not bad. That's not what we're saying. Um, but when it consumes us, when um, when it blinds us, when it fills us with fear, that's when it can be challenging. And what is the devil doing in all that? Right. This is the question. Um, I think the devil, first of all, is just distracting us. Right. Don't pay. Don't don't pay attention to this. I I can't tell you. And now we're getting to my, we should have one soapbox just for soapbox and one pet peeve soapbox. People who tell me, you know, Pastor, we'd like to be there more, but we just don't have time. Uh, Which, again, I think that's like saying, you know, I've said this, before. that's like telling a butcher you're a vegan, right? You're going to tell me that? Um, If we did a, if we, I I think one of the things the devil likes to do is consume our time. Um, So it's certainly one aspect of things for sure, um, but I th- it could be a whole, whole host of other things, right? Maybe, um, you know, maybe you found out you have uh, stage four cancer. That's a Goliath, right? Uh, may- maybe you want to believe in God, but gosh, you, on any given day, you, there's just things you can't can't grasp and get to, right? There could be, so I want to make sure that we expand the, the level here. So what do we do? All right, well, let's follow the pattern of David. Today uh, let's read this Romans six two to four together, by no means we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father. We too may live a new life. Last week I shared with you um, uh, this saying that Pastor Keenert had said about Martin Luther, that when Martin Luther, I'll change what Pastor Keener said to, to fit today. When Martin Luther was facing his Goliaths, he would put his hand on his heart and remember, I am baptized. I am baptized. He would go with his heart. I am baptized. And I think this the, what we saw in David, what we saw in Daniel, what we see in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was that they kept their life connected to their God. By the way, they weren't always perfect, and David certainly proves that to us time and again. But they still kept their life connected to God. And so the first thing that we do is we, re- we realize in the midst of the giants before us that I have a new life, and that new life was given to me in the waters of baptism. And that the waters of baptism do is they project me to the death and resurrection of Christ. Victory is already yours. Life is already yours, right? Uh, and so that's the beginning of how do I face these giants is that, wait a minute, I, I have a new life. And that, by the way, that life will never end. And then, interesting enough, how things work, the texts, one of the texts, the last two Sundays, really points us to this uh, as well. Uh, let's read this together. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot disown himself. Now, you're all going to focus on your human nature, and you're going to say, how terrible that God would disown us, right? You miss all the other beautiful things in that 2 Timothy text because you think, well, God might disown me. All, let's, just, let's just take that out for a moment. All, all that it's saying is God isn't going to force you to love him. You don't want to love God? Fine. But he's going to allow you to go away. Let's not... So that's just the quick reader's digest version of that. Let's go to the other thing. If we die with him, we live with him. When do you die with him? You die, you die with him in your baptism, and you die with him daily. That's our approach to Christianity. Every day we die with Christ and live with him. This is why, again, beating the old drum, Luther says, Start your day in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Make the sign of your cross. To remember your baptism, to remember New your life, to remember that the old life has died and the new life now lives, and therefore we endure. And as we endure, what does it mean to reign with Him? It means we live with Him. And even when, even when we're not faith, it's not saying to be perfect. Sometimes we're, we have low faith. He remains faithful because you are His. So where I'm bringing you now is David and Saul. Okay. And Saul says, how in the world are you going to beat Goliath? And David says, well, I beat lions. I beat bears. And I know God was with me in those things. This is what you're doing. You're saying, all right, this looks like a big giant, but I've died with Christ, and therefore I live with Christ. I've been baptized in the name of Christ, and therefore I have a new life. One, one more. This is from Sunday, 2 Timothy 1. 6 to 7. Let's read it together. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. This is a horrible... I can't believe I put this version in there. There's a better translation. What's the better translation? Anyone know verse 7? For the Spirit of God gave... The spirit of God that is given to us does not make us slaves. We do not have a spirit of fear, but we have one of power, love, and self discipline so what does this what does this mean right? as you face your Goliaths, you see yourself as David and you say, "Wait a minute I am Born again through the waters of baptism, I have died with Christ and now live with Christ. He reigns in my heart, and therefore I'm going to fan that truth into a mighty flame, which will give me power and love. And here, what self-discipline is, would be self-control, would be focus on who God is in my life. And therefore I can look at that giant, now I'm preaching, I'm sorry, I can look at that giant and say, uh, I will face you so that God will be glorified in my life. See the difference? I will will face you today so that God's glory may shine in me. And his victory will be my victory. Listen, I'm not suggesting it's easy, and I don't think it would be right to say that David didn't walk into that field with a couple butterflies. We don't know that, but he wasn't Jesus. Right? It doesn't mean that we're not going to be nervous. It doesn't mean that we might have, "Eh." some second thoughts once in a while, but we're going to do it in a confidence that's beyond ourselves. Back to the picture that split the room here, right? Um, I would say it's less about slingshots and stones, and it's much more about the name of the Lord. David himself claims that in our strength verse. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. The Lord will do it.
2: So in your prayer life, Lord,
1: uh, give me the confidence of David. As I face technology, as I face the inundation of news, as I face uh, the Goliath before me, give me, the, give me the spirit of David. Give me the courage of David. Help me to know that you're here amidst this. All right. Thank you for being here today. Um, so would, you, would you like to make cookies, everybody? So we're at Kairos Prison Ministry. We're getting ready to go send some folks back there, and we need 200 dozen cookies. Piece of cake. We had, we had so many cookies last time. He's a cookie. He's a cookie. So you can speak to Kevin or Ken about that, Um, and there'll be other opportunities to serve by praying and by uh, doing some other things, too. So you can speak to them today. We'll talk about that more on Sunday, too. Let's pray now. Gracious Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come together today. We thank you for the rain, which we needed, Lord. Um, We pray for those in our prayer guide, that you'd bless them and keep them in your care. And Lord, there's no doubt that each of us have a Goliath in our lives, maybe more. And perhaps we've been for days, like the Israelite army, uh, living in fear and intimidation, maybe even being bullied by this giant in our lives. And, and so now, Lord, we come in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and the power of his word, and ask for the, the confidence of David uh, before that Goliath, that, that we would know that we are born again, and that uh, we died with you, we now live with you. So help us to fan in the flame that faith you've given us so we may have power and courage and self-discipline. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks,
0: everybody. Thank you for listening to the King of Glory Church Education Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God and his people, grow in faith and love, and live through service and sharing.
2: Visit us on the web at kogva.org